Hello, my name is Dr. Kim Farina. I'm a veterinarian and host of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis, provided to you by Zoetis Pet Care. Welcome to season seven. Count them up, man. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. As promised, we will continue to cover a potpourri of topics that help you succeed and be happy in veterinary medicine. We will still focus on corporate veterinary practice. So for veterinarians who work in these groups, this will be super helpful. Season seven will have not one, but three episodes covering everything from collaborative communication between referring veterinarians and specialty and ER teams to communicating with clients in the emergency room. Today's episode will highlight a few foundational skills to help navigate challenges the profession is currently facing right now. So being able to communicate is more than client interaction. It's also essential in supporting self-care. Oh, and one last thing. What would a pause and reflect with Zoetis episode be without a quiz that has nothing to do with veterinary medicine? Sad one, a wilted one, a, a pathetic one, I think. So of course we have one today for our guest. We'll see how she does. Our guest today is Dr. Jane Shaw also has a PhD, she'll tell us about it. She is an expert in veterinarian client relationships and a professor of veterinary communication and director of veterinary communication for professional excellence at Colorado State University. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we can't wait to learn about you. So tell us a bit about your background and your current role. Yes. So I am an epidemiologist who has an expertise in veterinary client-patient interactions. And my current role is professor at Colorado State University, where I lead the communication curriculum for the veterinary students. We have over 52 hours of communication curriculum for our veterinary students to prepare them for practice. Wow, that's amazing. You know, there are so many important skills when it comes to communication. We don't have time to cover them all, but let's talk about some of the challenges our profession faces right now. Like, what skills do you feel are most essential for practice? So, especially during this past year, COVID times, um, I'm going to highlight agenda setting. And this is a skill that we do. So, in terms of the order of the clinical interview, we would introduce ourselves, and then we would get the client's full agenda, and then we would move on to history gathering. And we do that by asking some critical questions around why the client is here. Why did they bring their pet in? Um, secondly, we ask questions about what are they most concerned about? And then we kind of get, try to get a sense of their goals and priorities and expectations. So what are they hoping to get out of this visit today? Um, what were they hoping that we could accomplish together? And then we take a minute to summarize those back to the client. So you're here for, and I'll just use an example from my own dog. You're here today for a dental appointment. You've noticed that he's been putting on some weight and you did a recent diet change. And thirdly, he's on some other pain medications and you want to make sure that we know about those for a safe anesthetic protocol. And then we ask one more check-in question, which is what else is important for me to know before we talk about Charlie's dental procedure for today? So what happened? So that's like the first step of what you do? The first step of the clinical interview would be to introduce yourself and to introduce who you are, introduce yourself to the client and to introduce yourself to the animal. And then the next step would be, let's understand exactly everything that you're here for today. 
so that we can have a clear picture up front on how I best meet your needs. Because if I meet your needs, then most likely I'll exceed your expectations for our visit today. And I love that. Yeah. And in COVID times, because the client is not or has not been in the building until recently, getting that clear expectation up front is really important. So the client feels like when you're walking away with that pet, they know exactly that you know what they need from you today. Yeah. I actually want to explore that further because we have the typical communication challenges veterinary healthcare teams have faced historically, right? But the pandemic has also forced us to change the way we communicate today. So we're using telemedicine a lot more than we used to. We have to socially distance and we're wearing masks. So talk about the nonverbal communication. You know, that can be really tricky. So what tips do you have to help facilitate a successful interaction without relying on body language, you know, by itself? Yeah. And I'm going to focus predominantly on telephone, because I think that's been the predominant modality that many practitioners have been using. Some maybe have been using video, so they've had an advantage of having a little bit more nonverbal communication because in video, you can see a face, right? And at least you can see some body gestures, but I think predominantly phone's been the most predominant tool. Our use of our vocal cues. So we can say a lot with our voice by the tone of our voice, the volume, and the pace in which we speak. So being really mindful about that. Secondly is our use of pause. We get excited and enthusiastic and passionate about a topic and we do the motor mouth thing and forget to pause or we accidentally interrupt the client when they're not done yet. And so on the phone, when we don't have those cues to see when they're done speaking, it can be really helpful to kind of almost exaggerate that pause. And the third skill would be what I call chunk and check. So when we get that excited, what I'll call word vomit going on and say too much, we can kind of catch ourselves and stop and ask a question and back up. And so I could say, Kim, what further questions do you have about that? Or Kim, what are your concerns about that? Or how would you like to proceed given my recommendations? So I stop and I purposely check in with the client to allow them to give me some feedback and some thoughts about what we've been talking that's really interesting. And I want to, let's, let's dive deeper into that because when we talk about skills and developing skills, what are the most important skills for building trust? Because I think when you're on the phone, how do you do that? You just mentioned yeah. some really key things that you should do, but, but does that automatically result in trust? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um, as we all know from our friendships, um, our relationships, that trust building is a process over time. But I think there's some things we can do, especially for meeting that client for the very first time, to build trust. So one is what I'll call client perspective. So being interested in that client. So um, examples like, how did Charlie come into your life? Um, who all is in Charlie's household? I haven't met you guys. This is my first time meeting me, meeting you. Tell me who all is in Charlie's, Charlie's life. What, what do you do for a living and how does that impact um, your schedule with Charlie? So questions that allow us to get to know that client and express interest in them. 
then when we um, hear things like, oh man, I, I haven't been traveling. We've been home all the time. I think he's getting sick of him and I being home all the time, right? We can say an empathy statement, which is, wow, sounds like the two of you have a bit of cabin fever as a result of this period of time. And we can empathize back and let the client know that what they're thinking and feeling is valid and that we get it and that we understand it. And then lastly, we can literally express to the client um, using partnership that we actually want to work with them. So this is really important this time because the client's in the parking lot and you're in the building and it doesn't look like you're working together at all physically. So your language can build that bridge by saying, I really want to make this decision together. I want to talk through this. So we come up with a plan that works for both of us. Um, I'm going to support you through this as we move through one step at a time so that they are not alone, even though they are alone in the parking lot, that you are in that building and you are thinking about how to best make decisions moving forward for Charlie's best interest. And it just, as you said, it sounds like the language, like choosing the right words can do wonders right away. Just as you were yes. mentioning, just that, that language of connection. I can see can make a world of difference on on how the relationship starts out or is continuing. Yes. And in the case of partnership, we're using we and together and team to say, this is how I want to work with you, literally as a team. Right. Now, many things go well, right? <laughs> but in practice we have all struggled with an upset client. And you're talking about teams and partnership. Now, what if you, you have this upset client? What skills you know, could be important for working with an upset pet owner, knowing that you're, you know, you're, you're doing this dance, this, this team together for the best, mm -hmm. in the best interest of the, the pet? Yes. The first and maybe scariest for us step is to ask an open-ended question and allow them to tell us and vent about what they're upset about. So that's kind of scary, right? So what happened? It sounds like you're really frustrated. Tell me more about that. It sounds like you're disappointed in our plan or it didn't work the way you were hoping it would. Tell me about that. So really opening the door and the floodgates and let the client just let it out. Once it's out there on the floor, then our next step is to reflect back and let them know that we've heard it. So sounds like Charlie's dental procedure didn't go as you liked and that he's really painful and his mouth is swollen and you've saw some blood last night and you're really worried about him. So reflecting back so they feel like they've been heard and that you're going to do something about that, right? And But hearing it first. And then the third skill is to signpost and say, would it be okay now if I talk about what I'd like to do to make Car Charlie feel more comfortable? It sounds like he's really painful and I want to make sure we get him feeling better. So let's talk about what we can do now. And so that's asking the client if they're ready to move away from being upset and angry with you to partnering with you again. So being that partner to move forward on a plan to take care of Charlie's pain. Up ahead, I, I want to talk about another tricky situation we all have faced. Um, clients with rambunctious children in the exam room. You know, we're now moving, many of us are moving from curbside to in-person. Um, but before we cover that, we always have a quiz on the show. Um, and it's a pause and reflect with Zoetis quiz. And we always like to test our guests' knowledge 
on a topic that has nothing to do with veterinary medicine. This episode's quiz is called, Can You Believe This? Now, I probably should say it like, can you believe this? I think that would be better. Can you believe this? And so I'm going to ask you questions about some remarkable world events, and all you have to do is fill in the blanks. So I have a bell for positive reinforcement, and of course, our producer, Max, will play cheering sound effects if you answer the questions correctly. No need to stress whatsoever, although you don't seem like you get stressed anyway, which is cool, because there's nothing to win, there's nothing to lose, so you ready? I'm ready. All right, excellent. Question number one. A new world record of more than 908 feet has been set for hitting a golf ball into what? Into a sand uh, sand pit or a, a sand, I forget what they're called in golf. A sand trap. Like a sand trap? Ah, no, no. This is a moving car. English uh. professional golfer Marcus Armitage <laughs> and BMW touring car driver Paul O'Neill have successfully broken the world record for the farthest golf shot caught in a moving car. It actually Amazing. took the pair multiple attempts before beating the previous distance of 30 yards at Elvington Airfield in York in the UK. And this is what's funny is that in the Guinness Book World of Records in at their website, it says... Talk about good driving from both sides. I love I it. Was funny. <laughs> All right. I could have never gotten that one, Kim. <laughs> Number two, here we go. <laughs> do you ever want to get out of a Zoom meeting, Dr. Shaw? There's a new app that helps you do just that. How do you think it works? Oh, is it um, freezes your video frame so you look like you're there? Um, oh, my but- God. And you're not? That's great. That's very creative. I'm giving you a bell that's wrong, but but still, I love that creative answer. That's great. Um, actually, there's an app called Zoom Escaper that deliberately plays annoying noises so the person using it is most often asked to leave the call. So sounds you can choose to play include a crying baby, a barking dog, or construction noise. Can you think of any others you would add to that? My fan. Your fan. Okay. Well, I would include a lawnmower and a leaf blower because this actually happened once. And and Max, our producer, will remember this, that during a podcast episode, um, while we were recording with a guest, every time our guest was about to answer a question, a leaf blower would like come full blast (laughs) at his window. It was crazy. So anyway. But I, you know, I'm kind of laughing because I feel like I opened a can of worms because, you know, we're still recording this episode right now. And like, say you're like, you know, I don't want to answer her questions anymore. (laughs) Like, are you going to start like playing like a barking dog? And now I'm like, oh, gosh, what have I done? Get the get the leaf blower going. (laughs) Right. And you're going to be like, oh, sorry, Dr. Farina. Yeah, I I had to leave. All right. Question number three. Got one more. Oscar Mayer, the deli meat company, has created shoelaces that smell like what? Uh, Bologna. Ah, so close. Bacon. Definitely something you never knew you needed. All right. Oscar Mayer was recently giving away bacon-smelling shoelaces with the re-release of Nike's Air Max 90 bacon shoes. The company tweeted, 
We're dropping bacon-scented laces that will make your kicks sizzle. What do you think? I think you're going to have every Doug in the neighborhood on your shoes, following you on all your walks. (laughs) All right. Speaking of sizzle, let's get back to this interview. All right. Now, as in-hospital visits begin to resume, what do you do about the client that comes in with young children who are a little bit rambunctious, you know, jumping on the scale, climbing the counter, eating the cotton balls, you know, getting into everything so much that the pet owner can't focus on what we're trying to tell them about their pet. What skills might be helpful in this scenario? These are not so much communication school skills, but maybe more like tools or the ability to delegate and think outside the box. So a couple of ideas. If you have an available team member to have them take the kids out, out of the exam room, an examination room and spend time with them, um, hopefully you might have a kid's area or a, t- a toy box or a toy area um, where you can, or coloring books and crayons, something to um, utilize the kid's energy. If you don't and you're in the exam room and you don't have anybody to turn to, to try to offer something to um, engage the children. So listening to the dog's heart, for instance, or um, looking in a microscope or looking at a radiograph, you know, something to engage them so that you can have the conversation with the client and maybe you get a few minutes of quiet time. Not always, but some ideas. And then knowing that the client probably only heard a small percent of what you said because of their distraction with their children, to make sure you provide written discharge instructions or a written plan or a summary of your discussion or a resource, you know, a link to an article or a handout, something that can they can go back to to remember the key points of that discussion since maybe they only heard 50% of it, for instance. And would it be helpful to even like a phone call later checking in with sure. them? Or? I love that. So you could do a follow-up you know, in a couple of days and just say, I know we had a lot going on. Um, I, I also sent you home with some materials. I'm just checking up to see what questions you have after that appointment. That'd be a great follow-up. That's great. (laughs) Well, it's no secret in our profession that, you know, our profession struggles with well-being. So I want to talk about empathy as a skill. How do you balance empathy, but not let it lead to compassion fatigue? Yeah, and I think this is a um, counterintuitive approach to I think what the profession believes in general, I think in general, the profession believes that being empathetic is costly for and at risk, puts you at risk for compassion fatigue. And I'm going to say the opposite, that using empathy to connect and build trust with your clients is a huge source of meaning and fulfillment in our work for many, for many of us. And that source of meaning is what serves as what I'll call a protective barrier or even vaccination against compassion fatigue. So all of us know, and actually I was just talking to a veterinarian the other day, like who doesn't like it when they say, oh, I'd like to really see Dr. Shaw or gosh, I, I can't. And we, when we remember, oh my gosh, this is the third generation of pet that we worked with together. Um, we, that those relationships are what keeps us in practice in the long run. Um, and the special relationships we share with the people, both our staff and our clients, to be able to make those connections 
um, those real meaningful connections. And I think that's protective. That helps us from feeling that burnout or fatigue. So the connection, the empathy makes the connection, which, as you said, vaccinates or protects you against really just burning out or that compassion fatigue. Yeah. And we, I think, are fearful sometimes of making that connection because we feel like that connection is going to drain us. But I think we forget that it's a two-way street. So we connect with them, but they also connect with us. They trust us with their pet. They feel, clients feel more, um, they feel a sense of confidence, right? And confidence in you. They're willing to um, accept your recommendations and follow through on your plans because of that connection and trust that's built. Um, And so then it keeps going around in a circle where we keep giving and receiving from each other. It's not just a one-way street. I think that's really smart. I think you're right. People don't think of it that way at all. And it is counterintuitive. But when you you describe it, Dr. Shaw, it makes sense. Like the giving and receiving actually fills each other up, fills each other up. Exactly. Exactly. And that trusted builds help you feel successful, right? When that client leaves that visit happy and satisfied and you had a good interaction, um, the more of those every day, right, is what protects us against feeling that burnout. That's terrific. That Wow. That's huge. That's, wow. It's great. All right. Switching gears for one final question, because we're just about out of time. We know communication is essential on every level in veterinary medicine. So what resources or educational opportunities are available to help hospital teams hone in and practice their communication skills? Yeah. So the good news is that there's more opportunities than ever before. More of us as professionals were taught skills in vet school. Um, And then just because we were taught them doesn't mean that we don't need to sharpen the saw, right? And keep it, keep it sharp, keep that blade sharp and working on that. And There's offerings at most of the national conferences, so VMX and Western States and AVMA and um, any of our conferences often have a professional development track these days. And then at CSU, we host something called the Frank Workshops, which is a series of three workshops working on a toolbox of 20 communication skills. And then the last workshop is on coaching communication. So the first two you can take for yourself to develop your toolbox. And the last one you could take as a way of learning to coach to support your team, mentor and support your team in learning and developing communication skills. Where do they find that? Can they just, can, you know, for our listeners, can they just go to CSU's website? Like, where is it? Yes. So if you were to put into the Google search engine, Colorado State University Frank Workshop Series, it will be come right up. Or even if you just did Frank Workshop Series, it will come up on the search engine. Excellent. Great. Oh my gosh. Well, we're out of time, but thank you so much, Dr. Shaw, for joining You're us welcome. today. Thank you, Kim. It, it was a pleasure fun. chatting with you today. Very fun back well, at I, you. I was going to say the same thing. It was a pleasure talking to you because it was not only super informative, but it was fun. We talked yes. about bacon. Or bacon <laughs> <Yes>. smelling shoelaces. <laughs> my gosh, really. <laughs> Who knew? So I just missed an opportunity for developing that one, huh? Right. Hey, (laughs) jump right on it. I I do wonder how successful it was, but well, thank you very much. You're welcome. 
Well, this is the first episode of season seven of Pause and Reflect from Zoetis, but do not be disappointed. Episode two of season seven's collaborative communication series is coming up next. Subscribe to the platform you usually listen to and you will be notified when it launches. I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this has been Pause and Reflect with Zoetis. 